This is episode two of the Janet Lewis podcast. My name is Janet Lewis. For those of you who don't know me, I'm an entrepreneur and business owner. I own orangefish.ca, which is an e-commerce business that features products that will help you look or feel good, whether you're working out or just hanging out. Last year, I spoke to a group of entrepreneurs about the importance of identifying their superpower. So what is a superpower? It is a task or activity you do that you may or may not be good at, but it actually gives you energy. You want to be able to identify your superpower so you can tap into them every day. And on the flip side, also make sure you're not stuck doing tasks or activities that totally drain you. I believe that people who have been able to identify their superpower tend to be happier in life. And so I've decided to do a little experiment. I want to talk to people who have truly found their passion and explore their journey. In the podcast, I'll be interviewing people who are super passionate about what they do. These are the people who have found their purpose. So why am I doing this? I want to see if there are any consistencies in discovering one's path. How did these people discover what they should be doing? And how have they been able to turn it into a business or a career that makes sense for them? We are going to be talking about their journey, how and why they made the choices they did, what drives them, how to take the leap, making changes, and maybe even how to be happy. Today, we're talking with Leslie Bradford-Scott, a co-founder of Walton Woods Farm. Leslie and her husband, Peter, run a farm in Baileyboro. Yes, Leslie? That's correct. <laughs> okay, <Bailey> good. Baileyboro. <laughs> we talked about how that's like Bailey's the alcohol, so I can pronounce that right. Uh, and that sits on Rice Lake, and it's just outside of Peterborough. They produce a line of skincare products for both men and women that make great gift items. And the product itself is amazing, but the marketing definitely sets the items apart from the competition. Uh, not only is it eye-catching and entertaining, but it also makes fun of everyday life situations. And you know I love your marketing. Um, so I met Leslie last year because Orangefish started carrying her product line. And, you know, it was typical where I contacted you and said, hey, we'd like to carry it. And you said yes, which made me very happy because we love carrying uh, Made in Canada products. And then last fall, Leslie and I met for lunch and we just clicked. Like, I didn't want the lunch to end. <laughs> <laughs> because of the hamburger and fries that we were having yeah. or because of conversation? Because that was a really good hamburger, I'm not going to lie. It was a great hamburger, but it was mm. actually, the, it was the I still was think the about that hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Mm. Um, and, you know, what I loved about our conversation was the creativity that was going on. And so when I thought about doing the podcast, you're definitely the top of the list. So welcome, Leslie, and thank you for saying yes and taking the time to talk with me today. It's fun being at the top of the list. I don't know if I've ever been at the top of the list. Really? Let me, let me just linger here. Okay, that felt great. <laughs> well, we yeah. might get you to feel some other good things uh, in All a right. little bit too. Um, so we haven't known each other very long. It's probably been about a year and a bit, but I do feel like it's been much longer and in a good way. In a, not in a bad way. It's not like that not boyfriend yet. that's lingering around that you want to get rid of. Right. I like having you around. Oh, that's good. Good to know. Um, and one of the things I enjoyed about our conversation is, and in getting to know you, is just how honest and frank and genuine you are. And, you know, you're very generous of spirit. And, you know, one of the things I've gotten from you is that you like to see other people succeed, mm -hmm. um, not just yourself. And I do feel that that's really, really rare from women in the, in the business world. Like we always seem to be competing with each other right. instead of helping lift each other up. Hopefully when you get older, maybe that goes away. I'm 51. So 
maybe that's, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I've, but I have always wanted to really see other people succeed Yeah. because there's room for everyone to succeed. And I'd rather live in a place, you know, be surrounded by people who are successful. So it's something I'm passionate about. Yeah. And it's, it comes across from you, um, like when you first meet you, but it's interesting because not everybody is like that. And, you know, we see the book lean in and how women need to start to help each other more. Mm -hmm. And I really, really wish that that subculture would change a little bit. So hopefully, you know, great leaders like yourself. Thank can you. Start to make some changes. Um, so when I was researching to interview you, I did discover that you had written some award-winning screenplays, which yes. I did not know about. Okay. So you, I think, have... It doesn't surprise me that they're mm -hmm. award-winning, but I think your life has probably been interesting from beginning to end. Okay. And so I think with our audience today, why don't we do a brief overview of your journey and how you kind of got to be at Walton Woods Farm. Okay. It's a bit of a long story. <laughs> so I have, I have, or have still have learning disabilities and um, my brother did too. Oh. And my sister though, she was really bright and my dad was really happy to pay for her to go to university. He wanted her to go to law school and be a lawyer. And so did she. And, um, but my brother and I, you know, we really struggled and um, I failed math and English twice. Um, but back then, when I was in school in the 1970s, um, there wasn't really identifiers for that, and there wasn't curriculum for, for students who struggled. So it was just that the system was not designed for, for students like us, right? Right. So we kind of fell through the cracks. Um, I ended up, my brother ended up getting killed in a car accident. He was uh, hit by a drunk driver. And oh, died. wow. And I was 16, he was 19. And I sort of, my whole life just stopped it went into a fog and for a year it was just nothing but a fog. Sure. I dropped out of high school. Um, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Um, and my, my dad had a very colorful sort of career. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was, he was uh, a drug dealer by trade. So, wow. Uh, on the, on the upper end and the classier end of the drug dealing. <laughs> scene, you, know? <laughs> you know, we, we had a really nice lifestyle as a result and, uh, but he ended up going to prison. So I had to make my way, you know, through life on my own. So I, I did the only thing that a teenager would do when they have a drug dealing father that they disapprove of. I joined the U.S. Coast Guard and wanted to get on the drug team and wanted to be on the search and rescue team. And I wanted to, I wanted to do something meaningful with my life. So like the so, exact opposite. The exact opposite. Yeah. So that was my rebellion <laughs> against my dad. But all along the way, the two dreams that I always had was when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a pilot. And my dad said, girls don't fly airplanes. And he said, don't be stupid. You can't make a living writing. Wow. And you're bad at school anyway. So just forget that too. And, but I, I never stopped. You know, I found myself, like I, I married young. I was probably 22 when I got married and I married the wrong guy. And, um, and it was a disaster. It was a really difficult marriage. Um, but we had two lovely daughters and I felt for 15 years, I felt trapped and stalled and that I would never achieve my dreams. Right. And, um, and he was, he was, um, a green beret, my husband. So he was a, a trained killer. <laughs> <laughs> And let me tell you what, when you get into special forces, you have to go to this special 
school and very few people make it through that school and you have to be wired a certain way and he was and he was the top of his class so for 15 years I didn't I was too afraid to leave a bad situation and and slowly I did have skills when I did did marry him from the Coast Guard but slowly I lost those skills and I didn't have any marketable qualities to get a job and support my children so for for 15 years I was in that holding pattern and I never stopped thinking about writing and flying airplanes that never left me wow I would dream about it so one day I I decided I kind of snapped in my head that okay if I don't do something now I'm 34 years old at this time uh 35 maybe if I don't do something now this is my life this is how it ends this is where this is all I'll ever achieve so I don't care what has to happen I don't care if he kills me I've got to do something and hopefully my kids will be okay wow because that was the only thing I really worried about was my children yeah so I picked a date on the calendar literally just circled it and it was 010101 the palindrome and I thought yeah that that's got this fresh start feel (laughs) (laughs) and I'm just gonna stick to that and I'm gonna make that my mission and I picked it probably six months in advance of me actually leaving him wow and I just stood there in our bedroom and I said I'm leaving you if you need to kill me that's fine (laughs) (laughs) because I'd rather die than be married to you for one more minute anyhow um long story short um I left I took the kids he took off he emptied uh, out all the bank accounts, all the money, it was gone. We had stocks. He he had somebody forge my name. He extracted all the money and went to the U.S. with it. Wow. And so I was left literally, that you know that story about being an immigrant with $20? Yeah. Honest to God, I was not an immigrant, but I had $20, two daughters, and a dog. And no marketable skills whatsoever. Wow. And I thought, you know, people have done, people have gone through worse. People, it's not too late. I'm 35 I've got a whole lifetime ahead of me. Yeah. So I, I just sort of took the first job that I could get. Which was? Selling cars. Okay. <laughs> the, it, was, it was the only job I could get, and it came with a company car. And I was like, yeah, free car. Yeah. I don't have to worry about it breaking down or putting insurance or gas. You know, it just was there. So, um, and, I, and I became a student of that. I, I learned the skill of selling. And, um, I had a really good uh, boss at that point and it was, it was all men. I was the only woman Yeah. and the men were very difficult to work with. Um, they pretty much beat me up every day. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Cause probably still male dominated. Cause when was that? That must've been in the one eight. Oh, in a one. Oh, okay, so very male dominated yeah. still. So, but I toughed it out and I was working six days a week and my kids were now looking after themselves. And, you know, I thought at that time that was probably the worst thing that could happen, but it wasn't because, you know, they learn to, to cook and to do laundry and to be responsible and to take care of themselves and to grow. And it, it actually turned out, they've turned into two beautiful, lovely, capable, successful women. Yeah. And I, I credit that. Experience. But you're also a very strong role model. Do you not, do you not think that that's part of... I hope so. I hope, I hope, yeah. I hope that, you know, I don't know what they say behind my back. <laughs> Maybe I should you know the next. Like, you know how people are about their mother. They talk about their mother behind. What godly knows? You should go interview them secretly and yeah. find out what they say. That mom of mine, she was nuts. Yeah. But then after so long of doing this, standing in a high heels in a suit, 
waiting for the next customer to come on the car lot. Like that's what you did all day. And you would just stand there like a mannequin and you had to be there because if you were sitting in the office on the computer, then the guy (laughs) in front of you, he was going to get the deal. Right. So it was, I was a hundred percent commission. If I didn't sell a car, my kids weren't getting fed. Wow. I didn't get any child support. It was all on me. So after doing this for a couple years, I was absolutely brain numb fog. I just thought I cannot do this another day, but I have to feed my kids. I still want to be a writer. Now, remember I had learning disabilities. So the first thing I did was I, I went to the library and I got books on screenwriting and I got, because screenwriting was easier, I thought, than writing a novel. Oh yeah. Because I wouldn't have to be so, it was more dialogue. Right. So the grammar <laughs> that I failed so miserably at, miserably at, I didn't need as much and so I studied um, the art of screenwriting, and I had a friend who had this broken laptop, and it had a, a huge crack across the screen, but I didn't have a computer. And it still worked. And it still worked, <laughs> but it had just big, big crack right across the screen. And he's like, yeah, I was going to throw this away, but you can have it. I'm like, yes, okay. And then I spent $50 on screenwriting software, which was a huge amount of money for me at that time. Yeah. And so I had it worked out that because I wore a suit every day, I would study and then I have these post-it notes in my suit jacket and a pen. I always had a pen and I would stand on the car lot. And when I was waiting for customers, I wrote my first screenplay on post-it notes so I'd, I'd write a few post-it notes and then I'd put it in my pocket when a customer came. And and that's what people were looking at. They were like, what is she doing with the these little yellow pieces of paper? And that's what I did. And then so I'd go home at night and I'd clean the house and get the kids sorted out for the next day. And then um, about 10 o'clock at night when they were in bed, I would transfer those post-it notes onto my computer, onto yeah. this software. So after it was, I wrote my first full-length screenplay in three months and I had a friend edit it because I, I again I was still learning yeah <laughs> about welcome to you know, the English language and um and then edit it edit it edit it and then I entered it in um, an international film festival um it was a romantic comedy and it won first place wow can I ask at uh, which festival yeah it was the Moondance International Food Film Festival okay. of um Colorado wow and so in fact, I had a really nice boss at the time, and he, he knew I entered it, and he said, if you win, I'll send you to Colorado to get your award. Oh, no, sorry. If if you hit the finals, I'll send you. And so he did. He paid for me to go, and I was sitting in, you know, at the audience, and when they called my name as the winner, I just couldn't believe it. I just could not believe I was hearing my name, and I just started crying, you know? I just was so emotional. That's amazing. It was so incredible a feeling. I cannot tell you, you know. And um and then I thought, oh wow, you know, my my dreams of being a screenwriter are going to come true, but the reality of selling a screenplay and writing one <laughs> oh, are very you know, different. are very different, right? Yeah. It's extremely competitive. Um but I kept working at the craft and trying to sell it because now you have the job. Now you have an award-winning screenplay. You have to go sell it. Right. And I, I did get um, some interest from the Women's Television Network. And, you know, but that fell through. And then I had a, I had a couple leads. And then that fell through. So it never did sell. But I didn't stop writing. I thought, okay, I'm going to keep trying to sell that. And I'm going to write something else. 
So I did. And I wrote another award-winning screenplay, and it was the International Family Film Festival of uh, Los Angeles. Wow. I wrote um, an animated short film for children, and it won Best um, Short Animation. So... I, I just thought, okay, I can write. I can do this thing. Um, I'm just going to keep at it and keep at it. And and I, and I didn't worry about selling it. I just worried about honing my skills as a writer. And I thought, yes, I do have it in me. Um, and I just kept plugging away at it. So, uh, so it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So you can write two award-winning screenplays, but they never get picked up. Do mm-hmm. they ever get made into actual movies? I The uh, animated one did get picked up and they did start to make the film and then that company went bankrupt oh no (laughs) so it never got finished right so i i just sort of you know thought these are just skills i'm building and i never you know i never know when i'm going to make money off of them and maybe one day i will and maybe one day i won't it doesn't matter because so you're still working at the car dealership i'm still working at the car dealership okay so now i but now i've moved to a different car dealership and i've i've got a, a management job and the finance office and I'm doing really well I'm making very good money and and I'm still writing and honing the skills and um but I worked for a tyrant I mean it was just probably the worst boss that you could ever imagine it was like that movie horrible bosses yeah right like that <laughs> like one of those I mean just the guy just like ate morals for breakfast and then spit them out. You know, there were no human rights in this place. And I just got really fed up with that. Um, I got very discouraged. I thought, is this it? This is where I'm at. I'm going to stay here in a car dealership in the office. And this is where my life ends. This is how I die. (laughs) And sorry, I should, I should ask, where were you living at that point in time? What city? What city? I was in London, Ontario. In London. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and I, I thought, you know, I, the, the degree of his lack of respect for human beings, the way he treated people and the way that people seemed to sign up for it because they were too afraid, right? They're too afraid to leave because it was a very small and incestuous business. If you leave on the wrong foot, yeah. your career could be over. And I was making such great money. You know, finally I had vacations to Europe and I built a custom home and my kids had everything I wanted them to have. I was having a, you know, the life that I dreamed of. Right. And it all paid off, all that hard work, all that standing around on a car lot. You know, I I developed these skills that paid off. And, um, but I got so fed up with the toxic environment. I thought, I can't do this. I cannot do this for the rest of my life. This is not how I see things ending (laughs) and it was very much like my marriage it was in fact I I thought this is exactly where I was when I was married to my husband it's only he's this guy's not my husband he's my boss and I don't want to do that anymore I don't want to play that game anymore and everybody around me 100% of the people around me were miserable and I looked around at them and I thought well what's keeping you here I don't want to be that person so I, again, picked a day. <laughs> I'm like, my oldest daughter was just graduating college. My youngest daughter was 17, and she wanted to go to New Zealand for a year's a high school experience. And I thought, this is perfect. I, I'm getting to that point in my life where I can, you know, make decisions for myself. Sure. And not have to think about my kids. Right. Too much. And so I literally, my boss came in with this brilliant new pay plan 
where every, all the managers were getting a 40% pay cut because it was the recession now, it was 2008. And he literally said, okay, there's a recession. People are going to be lining up for your job. So here's a new pay plan. Um, sign on the dotted line uh, or there's the door. And I looked at the pay plan and I looked at everybody else and I literally took the door. And I, I didn't know what I was going to do. It's almost like, like, thank you for making my decision so much easier. Yeah. Right? Like, hey, I was seeing this anyways. I was just thinking this. <laughs> and now you just like, you know, pushed me right off the edge. This is great. <laughs> I have no idea where I'm going to land, but I hope I don't break a leg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I had a bit of money saved up. I rented out my house and I thought, I've got to go far enough away that I don't see that dealer's name on license plates anymore. Because <laughs> you know cringing. how you see that? It's like such and such automotive, like they're everywhere. <laughs> I was like, okay, I got to get out of this area because I can't look at that. And what do I know for sure? What do I know for absolutely sure? I still want to be a writer. I still want to be a pilot, but that dream's dead. I'm too old now. That's what you're thinking. Um, yeah, that's school. what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm too old. So that's not going to work. And I did briefly think about going to school to become a pilot, like a commercial pilot. And I thought, well, that's kind of crazy. So I thought, okay, I don't know if I can make a living out of, as a writer, but I'm going to take nine months of my savings, like nine months off. And I'm going to sit on a river. I found this little place on a river in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Literally in the middle of nowhere. And um, I'm just going to decompress. And figure out what I'm going to do. Now, by now I'm 40, how old am I now? 42, sorry, 42, yeah. So it's not too late, Janet, I'm thinking. It's not <laughs> it's never too, too late. late. It's never too late. And I didn't know if I was going to blow through my whole savings or what was going to happen, but I was going to take nine months off and just chill. So I did, and I went kayaking, and I went on long hikes, and I tried not to think of what was next. I just tried to be in the moment and enjoy that time and space to myself. I've been so busy as a single parent and had so much trauma in my life between my brother and my dad. You know, things that just, you know, and I just tried not to do anything. And um, how successful are you at not doing anything, though? Not, it took some skill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was like, okay, you are doing nothing now. Yeah. You were taking nine months. You were doing, you will do nothing. Yeah. That's an order. But were you good at doing nothing? Well, I wrote. Okay. I wrote things. Um, I, you know, was very physical. I, like I said, I kayaked, I canoed, I took long hikes. I went to Clarney Park and hiked all of that. And, you know, so I did a lot of, um, very physical, but a lot, a lot of, of connecting red. with nature, connecting with nature. Yeah. yeah. I love nature. And, and that's always where I felt the most relaxed and the most human is around nature. So I did a lot of that. And, and then I eventually got a job in Sudbury, which was an hour commute for me from this middle of nowhere. And, um, it was the same job I had in the car dealership, but in a recreational dealership, which was far better because it was Monday through Friday. It was nine to five. It was recreational. So people were in a good mood. Right. You know, it wasn't like cars. It was like boats and motorcycles and fun things. Sea dudes. Yeah. It was yeah. like they wanted to be there. And it was great. Oh, wow. This is the best. I'm making really good money. Um, I've got a great schedule. I don't mind the hour commute each way because it was so beautiful. It was, you know, rivers and lakes and just gorgeous. Even in the winter? Even, oh, <laughs> you know what? Even better in the winter. 
Wow. I think it's even more beautiful in the winter. It's so pristine. And I, Janet, that's a good point. I really love the starkness and the quiet of winter. Oh, do you? I feel like there's something very cleansing about that. Just sitting and watching the snowfall and a clean blanket of snow and the dead trees, they're dormant trees. And I just feel like that's very cleansing and it's a good time for reflection. And I don't know. I just. Yeah, you know why it's a good time for reflection? Because you just can't do it. <laughs> because all, all you can do is sit in front of the fire and drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna sit here and reflect <laughs> as I look at the snow falling. That's right. There, every night at five o'clock, we reflect. <laughs> by the fire. There's no doubt about that. We we reflect a lot. I know, but you have a great space here. Like looking out onto the lake, it's very, very beautiful. Very peaceful. Sure. Absolutely. So then, uh, so then I um I was going to do one of my trips into Killarney, my hiking trips, but I only had a very short weekend, and I needed to get in and get out. So I needed to find a pilot to drop me off and um, into the middle of the park. Right. And so someone recommended my husband, my now husband, Peter, and said, yeah, give him a call. He's got a float plane. He'll probably drop you off. And I did. And he did drop me off. Yeah. And then he picked me up and we've been together ever since. Wow. So, and <laughs> he said to me, he's retired, my husband. He does, he's retired, except he does... You know, he has investments that he looks at, sure. like real estate and things like that. But um, he's an entrepreneur. He's a lifelong entrepreneur. And he said, if we're going to be together, you're going to have to quit that job. I said, I can't quit my job because cause he, he lived farther than I did. And it wasn't practical that I would commute. Right. He lived an hour and a half. And there was no jobs where he lived in this little village. Was he was no really village. in the middle of nowhere. He, he was more in the middle of nowhere than I was. And um, he says, you know, and I said, I can't. I, I, I can't afford to retire. I can't. I'm too young to retire. Um, I have too much energy to retire. And he said, you know, I, I don't know what you're going to do. But trust me, you're a smart person and I'm a smart person. And somehow we're going to figure it out. That's amazing. So, and I'm thinking at the time, like, are, are you out of your bloody mind? No, everyone like, that's listening is like, where did you find that guy? What small middle of nowhere place you. is it? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm telling you. And honestly, I, all I could think about Janet was, all right, I had the one guy, the husband, the snapper head idiot husband yeah. that it, I, I was dependent on. And then I was dependent on this boss for a living. And I hated that. Do I really want to put myself... I'm happy here. I'm right. happy in this in a good place. Spot. I'm making yeah. good money. Everything's going well. Do I want to give that up and become dependent on an, yet another man? Like, how do I trust that? What if he's a snapperhead? Like, you just what, haven't seen it yet. I, yeah. Maybe I haven't seen it. You yeah. know, we all get... Don't we all? Don't we all? <laughs> everybody who's single can relate to this or everybody who's been in a bad marriage can relate. We all see the good in someone. Absolutely. Until the dark starts to come <laughs> somehow, right. right? You're like, what happened to that guy that I initially oh. met? Where did he go? <laughs> yeah. We're and I'm sure, yeah. you know, to be fair, I'm sure men say that about women too. I'm sure right? they do. For I'm sure. sure. I'm sure my husband sure. says it about me. Right? <laughs> Only I'm right and he's wrong. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right and he's a liar. No. So it was a huge leap of faith. And then I had a talk with myself. I, you know, self. <laughs> Here <laughs> you are. Do? Here's another fork in the road. What do you do? And I thought, okay, I've got this set of skills. 
I can make money doing this job as finance manager in a lot of places. If, if I quit this and end up living somewhere else, so what? So what if I have to move again? So what if I have to get another job? I'll get another job. Yeah, you're getting a little bit long in the tooth. But, <laughs> you know what they say, like 60 is the new 35. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> so right. It keeps going down, doesn't it? So I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. And I have to say, you know, we, we struggled like to figure out, we lived in the middle of nowhere. What are we, what am I going to do for a living? And yeah. I tried a few things. Um, I was going to have a gift shop at one point about a half an hour away. And, and then that went sideways and didn't like it with the deal never closed because of a bunch of things in the environmental soil tests and et cetera, et cetera. And there were just very little, very few opportunities there. And, um, so at this time, my dad gets sick and he lives in Aurora and I go down to take care of him, help my stepmom to take care of him. And I am bored because he's sleeping, but I can't leave him because if he wakes up, he could do things like pull the, you know, the um, tubes out of his arms. Sure. And, so I can't leave him. And I'm just literally sitting out of the couch um, uh, watching my, my dad. And so I've got my phone and I'm Googling because one of the things that my husband had always wanted was to get back onto a farm and me too. Like I wanted to be on a farm too. I thought that would be great. And, and we fly because my husband taught me to fly. So, I did <laughs> so now you're a pilot. That's the good Check. part. Yeah, there we go. Check. Got my, my husband was a flight Writer. instructor. Check. Check. Pilot. pilot. Check. Check. Got that. And so um, I found this farm in uh, near Peterborough. And, um, and then after my dad passed away, which is very sad, um, Peter and I went and looked at it and he said, you know, this suits me down to the ground. I don't know about you, but you see that big barn there and, and my husband's a lifelong farmer. So I said, yeah. And he says that was built in 1850 and that was all, all those nails are made out of wood. It was, every wow. beam was cut down by hand that like everything in that barn is handmade and it's on the, the barn is on the top of a hill, as you know. And when you're down on the lake, as you know, <laughs> you can see, uh, Janet and I, I flew in, in our float plane around Rice Lake yeah, that and was you amazing. can see the farm. So, um, you can see that barn for miles. It dominates that hill. Oh, for sure. It's, and it's stunning. Like, it, you know, I, the red barn against the landscape looks amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and, you know, Peter said to me, he said, look, the, the land, I can rehabilitate the land. It was a very neglected farm. It was neglected for about 20 years. And all the, the fields went to weed, tall weed, and wow. hadn't been properly farmed. He says, I can fix that. I'm a farmer. But this farm will never pay to fix that barn. And if we buy this farm... You have to figure that bit out. You have to promise me that you'll figure that bit out because it's not going to matter to us. But if we're t we're taking this on, we're taking on an obligation to future generations. Right. We have a duty to save it and protect it and that heritage and this view for 200 years from now for those people because all that's going to be left if we don't are those crappy vinyl buildings. Right. And is, you know, is that what people should be looking at when they take drives on a Sunday? No. <laughs> they should be reminded of our heritage and they should um, be inspired by it. 
right about by the landscape you know it shouldn't look industrial so if we're gonna buy it you have to you have to commit to that bit and I'm like, yeah, okay, I can do that. <laughs> Always say yes. Always say yes. <laughs> Just say yes. I'm like, let's do it. I'll figure so, it out. Yeah, well, I'll figure it out. And then I started, you know, so we did and we moved in. And I'm like, okay, so about that barn thing, I better figure that out. And remember, I still need a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So well, you just got your job. I just you need to figure out. I, I need a job that pays, and I need to now. I need to have a job that pays, and I need to save a bar. Okay, how's that working? So, um, I went through a whole bunch of uh, research. Period. Okay, I looked at intensive crops, and <laughs> and then I experimented with a little garden. And I'm I'm not a gardener. <laughs> like I'm really good at growing weeds. Yeah, they just, yeah, I am like, I break out in a sweat with a shovel and it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) I just don't want to play this game anymore. So, um, and I realized it's just, it will never make that kind of money. You're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars here, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like there's nothing I could grow except for weed. Like, And I didn't want to follow in my dad's footsteps. Exactly. You know? I was just going to say that. I had the training, but... I could have done it. Yeah, I, I could have done it. And I was just like, no, I'm not growing weed. So um, I was... Li- I thought, okay, what can I do that I can scale? And I looked at the barn and I thought, what did you... Okay, you used to be a dairy barn. All right. And I had this um, vintage glass milk bottle. And I looked at this empty milk bottle and I looked at that barn and I thought, what can I put in that? Uh, what can I make that I can put out in that? So um, I thought, okay, bath products. That's something I can make in my kitchen. So I had a five-quart KitchenAid and I turned my laundry room into a little laboratory. And I went and bought all these essential oils and Epsom salts and Dead Sea salts and all this stuff. And um, and I bought a bunch, bunch of books on how to make, you know, <laughs> make bath salts and bath products and soaps. And um, and then I, I just started doing it. Wow. And testing and experimenting until everybody would come over for dinner and I'm like, smell this, smell this, smell this now. <laughs> what do you think now? And they're like, stop making me smell pretty things. I don't want to anymore. Go take a bath in this, you know. So we... Um, I worked on a design for six labels. I have a great design team that I hired. And uh, at first I tried to design the labels myself. Right. Of course. Because that's, that's, that's what, what we, we do. do. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I think maybe the, I could probably get this done a bit better. And uh, I took my little self-designed na- labels to the studio. And, who I and they with laughed them. at you? And she, she looked like she was going to break out in laughter. But she was professional. So she did it. And she's like, yeah, those are really nice. Um, we could probably do we could probably do something around that we could probably do a little bit better than that she's really polite she gave me a quote for six labels and I said okay this is my vision and I gave her wallpaper swatches and fabric swatches and these fonts and this color and this is what I want and and they did a beautiful job. And they yeah, they look me. they look amazing. Six for sure. Beautiful. And of course, my one of my very first titles was that one in the middle. Can you see it? The fix almost anything. No, the or, breakup. Oh, the breakup bath, 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 revenge with the course. voodoo doll, right? Because murder is illegal. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a little bit inspired by your life, maybe. Yeah. Well, that's how I decided to. I decided right away that if I was going to sell scents. 
that I was not going to work. It wasn't going to work. I wasn't going to make any money because there was a million other companies selling bath and beauty products out right. there. And there is no way little me could compete with that. So if I was going to succeed, I better think of something clever and different. And then that's when I kind of remembered like what got me through my, all those troubles that I had in my life, what got me through them? How did I survive them? And it was always one thing. It was a hot bath. Really? Always. It was my go-to. If I was struggling as a parent or as a wife or as an employee and I felt like I was going to lose my mind, I would just go into the bathroom, lock the door, fill up the tub, put some music on, light a candle, get a glass of wine and take a bath. Which I'm sure a lot of people do. I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I hope they do. And I thought, yeah, a bath can fix almost anything because after those baths, I would wait, like I'd go to bed with my fuzzy pajamas and, um, and I would tuck myself in and I'd feel so relaxed. And then I'd wake up and I'd have a totally different perspective in the morning. Right. And that was kind of the thing that saved me time and time again. And that's why I have a fix almost anything. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, okay. The first one was breakup bath revenge. I did six. Oh, you did six at the same time. So I did. Yeah. My breakup bath revenge. And I wrote, I thought if I'm going to sell these to people I need to relate to what you know my problems were are the same as theirs right right they have bad marriages they have bad dating experiences they have weeks from hell um we all suffer from the same problems. so if I can appeal to that um and make people laugh connect with them emotionally I just wanted two things for people to laugh and to get to, to push the restart button and yeah. have a really great product to do it with. So, and then I wrote these funny stories on the side of the bottle so that they'd make great gifts. Yeah. Like they are awesome. Like I have to say the one that people comment the most on is the thaw out winter's the bitch bath. Oh like that gosh. one gets the most chuckles because everyone in Canada is like, it's true. <laughs> Our number one selling store for winter's a bitch hand rescue is in Georgia. Really? <laughs> I don't even understand Really? That. Yep, it is. I have no idea why. Don't That's ask. interesting. It is quite funny. So, okay, just to backtrack, like how did you come up with Walton Woods Farm? Walton Wood Farm? Yeah. So, um, Walton Wood Farm is the name of my husband's farm in England. And oh. so he farmed it, that farm for 40 years and then he sold it. And um, so when... I decided what to name the company. I thought I should honor his agricultural heritage so we could bring that, you know, into something new, bring new life to it because he really did miss that yeah. piece of his life. And so that's why we called it Wilton Wood Farm. And then we've got the little barn on the top of the label um, with the, the lake in the background. And then, um, and then what I found in writing the labels is that those 12 or 10 years of screenwriting um, competitions actually paid off because it turns out that's what makes me a really great copywriter. So I was able to write all the stories and come up with the names and write all the copy for the website and the packaging and those things that you normally have to hire out, but I can bring sort of my own passion and energy. So if I had to hire somebody to do those things, they might be able to come up with something clever, but it's not going to be driven by that passion and that history. And so that's how I've got, so I'm a pilot yeah, <laughs> and I get paid to write. 
So <laughs> that's amazing. That's right. That's right. And so Peter is also a co-founder yes. of the business. Yes. Does he play an active role? He has. Do you make him smell all the bath salts? Yeah. Or? <laughs> First of all, he has to smell everything. I have to tell you, I, for those <laughs> for those out there who don't know my husband, which is everybody, he's a proper gentleman. And he's an English gentleman, a proper English gentleman. He's very kind and very sweet. Yeah, he and is. And he, he's very articulate. He, he doesn't swear. Um, and when I told him that I had this idea to save the barn and that one of my products was going to be called Bitch Emergency Bath, calm the F down formula, he just was quiet for a minute and he said, um, yes, well... I, I don't see it, but you seem to know what you're doing. <laughs> and if you think it's a good idea, then I'm behind you. Oh. I thought, wow, this guy really trusts me way too much. <laughs> but he does, he has a role in that he does smell everything. He, if I have a decision to make and I'm just on the fence about it, I'll bring it to him and say, honey, what? Which way do you think we should go on this? Yeah, and so we've talked a lot about the the women's line, but there's also the men's line as well. So when you came up with the gentleman, mm-hmm. were you thinking of Peter? When yes, you I was. Of those titles actually oh. yes. And the reason I started my men's line is because my daughters always had a hard time finding gifts for their boyfriends. Sure, it's the worst. They did. They yeah. said, "Mom, there's nothing cool. Can you please think of something cool?" Yeah, it's and true. It, it is. It's hard. And um, and then I thought, okay, why is men's clothes so like fluffy and it's pretty and it's feminine it's like in these glass bottles and there's like weird shapes to them that are very feminine like how is this manly and why is it that whenever you get on on an elevator like you can smell the guy you might get on at nine and you can still smell that guy at 11 (laughs) why do you still smell you should not smell a guy a half hour after he's left a room. That's so, but, very true. But it's not controllable. Fragrance isn't controllable. You spray it and you don't know how much you're getting on you. And it's got alcohol in it. And it's not good for you and all kinds of reasons. So I thought I'm going to do something different. I'm going to put it in a tin can. And if they want to throw it on the floor, <laughs> they can throw it on the floor because it's not going to break. And I'm going to make it carry on language approved. And I'm going to put really beautiful natural ingredients in it like hemp seed and you know, vitamin E and avocado and grape seed. And I thought, oh, that's so much better than what's in your traditional clone. I'm going to make it alcohol free. So I thought about how all the ways I can improve it and make it more manly. And, I, and then instead of targeting scents again, I went for the archetypes. So the huntsman, yeah. and the angler, that's my daughter's boyfriend. And then I haven't, you know, my husband's the gentleman, but we're also the adventurer because that has the pilot on it. Right. So we put the float plane on there because sort of... On, because we love float planes. And um, and I just started thinking about real men and I I didn't I couldn't think of one polo player. So you maybe know. <laughs> Janet, you're sporty. You might know a polo player. I don't know a polo player. Right. And so I thought I'm going to do everything not polo-ish <laughs> that I can think of. And that's what um, that's how I started with the men's and it just sort of rolled on from there with the the, the two-in-one shampoo body washes yeah. that, with essential oils because, you know, men like to be helmet ready in half time. You know? <laughs> That's the way they are. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun. So as you tell the story, it's kind of interesting because your story is very interesting from beginning to end. But 
you know, we're not at the end yet. We're not at the end yet. No, of course <laughs> there not. Are there's still years, lots so there's to lots go. Of stories. There's back still in lots 10 years. to go. I'm going to be back in a couple of weeks. No. <laughs> the lunch you serve is great. Um, so, you know, it, it your story makes it seem very seamless. Like everything happened one after the other. And yes, you had challenges that kind of came up. But when you, like, do you feel that what you're doing right now is what you're meant to be doing? Yes, absolutely. I feel like everything that I have done so far and all the suffering and the pain and, you know, everything that I've plowed through, that this is exactly where I should be right now. So what is it that makes you feel that way? Oh, because I've never, and I've never been so at peace. I've never been in a place where up until um, I left that job at the car dealership, my entire life was spent every day wanting to be somewhere else. If only. It was always like, if only I could do, if only I could win the lottery, if only I could do this, if only I could catch this break, this is what I'd be doing. I don't, I, that does, there is no tape in my head anymore of that. There's nothing. It's just, I am, I love every day I wake up, it's pinch me. Yeah. I don't want to do anything else. And you, like, you work a lot of hours. Yes. But you love it. Yes. Yeah. I don't need to have that dream. I know that there's that, that book, the four hour work Work week. week. Yeah. Four hours, four hour work day or work week. Uh, Four hour work week. Yeah. Show me. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I know. I I love, I do. I work seven days a week, but I want to work seven days a week. I, I can't wait to go check my email, see what's happening. I can't wait to think of work on the next product. Like right now I'm working on about oh my gosh, I'm working on about 15 new products. Wow. And my job is to see, can I get them launched for January at the trade shows? Like, can I get them ready for that? How am I going to do that? And putting all the pieces together and thinking of the names and thinking of the market and the audience and how I'm going to sell it and what I'm going to put in it. It's fantastic. I just am so energized by that. Because you're really kind of in the creative space. But you Mm -hmm. also have, like with any business, you have a lot of logistics that have to occur. Yes. Do you find, like, are you that, enthusiastic about doing the logistic or administrative piece of the business or is the creative piece really where you like to I have to do all of it because we have a few staff so I have to do all of it right or much of it right now pardon me I don't do any of the order processing but I do help with the order processing sure when they're busy um I I still like to talk to customers I love to talk to customers um the I don't like doing spreadsheets I don't like doing inventory right now. I'm working on, actually, this is a really good tip for anybody who's in business is that I hired a business coach through the business development bank of Canada because I felt like the whole business was running away from me and that I didn't have the skills because I'm I'm not educated. I didn't have any of the business skills uh, and the training to understand how to put all the pieces together so that I could scale this company um, in a meaningful way. So I hired a business coach and it's like, literally, it's like having an MBA in my pocket. Right. It's like, oh, I'll just get this little MBA out here. Yeah. Just slide this out. You know, there's no more post-it notes in there. There's my little pocket MBA. And, um, and I'll say, you know, and so right now we're working on a five-year strategic plan. Wow. For everything. Right. Products, staffing, budgets, you know, everything, markets, marketing, and it's like going to Harvard. I was just going to say, you're getting your own little MBA. Or it is. Or... Honest to God. And he uses a lot, my coach uses a lot of the Harvard protocols. Yeah. So um, we're hyper-focused on, you know, achieving certain things. And um, 
and it's I, I really love to learn so I'm, I'm eating it up but it's a lot it's a lot of homework and then running the business so if I could get rid of everything off like in terms of administration I yeah. would I, I like that least I, I like the bookkeeping account the, the bookkeeping and the accounting the least yeah I'm the same way yeah for sure like and stab me in the eye yeah like, oh, God, <laughs> no, what? so and I do have a bookkeeper part-time and I do have an accountant and but I still have to touch it yes yeah yeah of course of you course still have to touch of course. it yeah and I the the part of the job I like the least would be the supply chain you know figuring out how to most effectively get a to b to c in the most economical way um getting quotes and I mean I could just ah <laughs> so one day I hope to next year I just hired a sales manager yeah. who starts in September um, that's going to take a lot off my plate and then the next hire I do will be for operations so I can get the supply chain management off my plate yeah and it's probably good like the business coach is probably helping you determine like next hire next hire next hire and timing for that right yes but you said something really interesting you're like I love to learn and you know I think back to the part of your story where you said you dropped out of school mm-hmm. At what point did you discover that you actually did really like learning? I loved learning when I was a kid. I, I loved it. It just, the system wasn't built for me. I, I was absolutely, when I was a little girl, under 10, um, I used to run away from school. And I could be found by the police. <laughs> <laughs> Outside the public library in a corner, like in a little portico with a stack of books, reading books. I loved to read, I loved to learn, but I just couldn't understand the way they were teaching me. So it was, it wasn't that I never loved to learn, that's always been there, it's I had to figure out my own way of learning. Right. And as an adult, I did, I did not learn English grammar until I was, you know, closer to 40 years old. Wow. So, and I really made a point of figuring out how to teach it to myself. And so do you, like, if you look back now, do you regret dropping out of school like do you wish you had stayed it was a really difficult time it was in uh, my 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 dad as a career move moved to Fort Lauderdale from from Grimsby Ontario and it was during the time of integration so um it was mandatory busing so half of the white kids were being bused to the black schools and half the black kids are being bused to the white schools and there was riots and fires and big cinder blocks being thrown through bus windows like it was absolute chaos and the and if you didn't go to that school the fbi like showed up at your house and arrested your parents and you like it was just you had to, to to go and so it was it was a civil unrest it was a great time of civil unrest and um so do i i mean really it wasn't a good place for me to be um do i wish that i lived in an environment that i could have <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah yes i do or yeah. a time but that's not how it worked yeah because even when you were talking about um the business and you do a ton of research like i research i research i research and that's one of the things even in me knowing you this short time i know you research a lot mm-hmm. you know we talked about this other business idea and you're like here's all the research and you're like wow you're on it right and so it's interesting that you have these qualities and characteristics but you still dropped out of school because I think for a lot of people they would find that interesting and difficult to understand right Mm -hmm. Um, but in your life when you look at it what decision do you think has made the biggest impact on you positively or negatively I have to say that 
the decision to, to be friends with failure. That is something I've been carrying with me since I decided to leave my husband is that deciding that it was okay to fail, but that I'd be bright enough to push through it and find out what was on the other side. And to do that, I had to be in a place where I was always willing to let everything go. Like maybe this drives me, this is, this drives me crazy here. I'll tell you. <laughs> do what you love and the money will follow. That's a load of crap. What? How much money? Well, like, it would vary depending right. on what it is you what love. Does, but <laughs> pe- people interpret that as I'm going to try this, and you know, if I do what I love, then I'm going to get rich doing it, and everything's going to be no. Yeah. That's not how it works. No, it's true, and I don't think that you would get rich doing it, but you might be richer in other ways that are not monetary. That's true, right? But most people, ninety nine percent of the people that you talk to. They don't take that, you know, you, and the other, the other thing, the other piece is that, um, you can do anything that you put your mind to. Well, you know what, for me, that's not true. If I really wanted to be an astronaut, I could not be an astronaut. Right. Yeah. So I'm not made, I'm not built that way. I can't do chemistry. I can't learn it. I can't learn advanced science. That's not in my makeup. Do what's best for your abilities within your scope. Like I don't outski my ability. Yeah, that's right. I don't outfly my ability. That's right. You know, learn to fly, but don't outfly your ability. And that I think that's where people set themselves up for disappointment. I agree. I think, you know, even so for years I was a consultant and I always had people that would come and they'd also want to be a consultant. So I give them an hour of my time and we chat about different things and You know, the biggest thing is everybody wants that lifestyle or they want the lifestyle of an entrepreneur, but you know what they don't want? They don't want the ups and downs. You know what happens with that lifestyle? Tons of ups and downs, you know, like sometimes you don't know where you're going to pay your next mortgage payment from or your rent payment. And you have to be okay with that risk that it's not going to affect you like mentally in a bad way, Mm -hmm. right? And I always thought, you know, to myself, I'll do what I love. And in the meantime, (laughs) I'll do whatever I have to, to put food on the table. Exactly. And if that other thing ever, ever takes off in a way that I don't have to do the thing I don't want to do, then I'll do that. That's right. Yeah. But in the meantime, I'm going to enjoy the bit that <laughs> yeah, I yeah, can yeah. do. Yeah. It's really interesting because a lot of people, I think, especially nowadays, like younger entrepreneurs, like they come to school and they jump into business and people, and I guess it doesn't matter what age you are, they expect it to happen overnight. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you think about it, like I've been doing orange fish since 2007 and it's only in the last two years that I've really felt like, okay, wow, this is really heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But it's all that time and effort that you put into it. And people think, it's so successful, but they're not there working day to day. They don't see what's going on and what's happening, right? It's a grind. You it is, grind yeah. It. It's a grind, yeah. It is hustle. hustle. You gotta be willing to hustle. Hustle you know? and grind. Um, I appreciate, like, with my kids, um, they'll tell they'll tell me, Mom, I never want to work for your company. Not because I don't love your company. I do, but I'm not cut out for it. Yeah, I need to know that I'm going to work this hour to this hour and I'm going to get paid this much. 
and they're hard workers, but they can't handle that kind of risk. Yeah, that's right. So, and they don't want to, they don't want to work 80 hours a week. Yeah. <laughs> Few do. Yeah. But you have to, I, I, I divide entrepreneurs into three different categories, you know, that there's the mom and pop yeah. and they want to own the French fry truck. And I like fries. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> a lot. Unfortunately, too much. Way too I much. I really like poutine. Oh my gosh. And there's one down at the end of the street. Do you know how much you have to exercise to get rid of that one portion of poutine? I, yeah, more than I want to in a week. And, um, and they, they're okay working you know, every weekend for the summer because they're going to take the winners off and they're going to make 40K a year and they're very happy there. And, and that's, you know, that's a type of entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah. And then there's sort of the small to medium type entrepreneur that I fit into that category. And, um, you know, you, you maybe want to scale a business and um, export and become international and do all those things. And that's a whole different commitment. And, you know, and then there's the, the giants, yeah. <laughs> the mega business. And I'm, I never want to be there. Yeah. So I think you have to, if you want to be a business owner, you have to think about what you're willing to give up and what you're willing to do. And where does that fit in? It's mm-hmm. true. It's true. I think when I originally started Orange Fish, I wanted it to be the biggest and the best. And I think... But you're a competitive I, athlete. I am. So that's... <laughs> that is why. It's true. I'm going to smash this thing. It's true. Yeah. Give 110%. I think someone just recently commented on my Facebook page about um, being an Olympian with my work ethic uh-huh. because of the type of work ethic that I have. And I was like, oh, I like that. That sounds good. An Olympic work ethic. <laughs> And then I joked and said, in the Olympics, if there was a drinking competition, maybe I would have been that. <laughs> but that might be it. I don't know. We but might have to go head to head on that one. Yeah. <laughs> we could try that one. Night I think I could. And podcast it. Yeah, I think we could do that. <laughs> we'll see how that works. Yeah. Um, so I want to thank you for your time today. I think um, I, I find your story really, really interesting. And one of the things I found most appealing is like, it doesn't matter what uh, you came up against, you're just like, I'm just going to change and continue to move forward. And when you think about so many people, like how many people do you know that are in jobs that they're not happy with, but they're so afraid to take the risk to do any type of change. And I think it's sad because so many people could be happier if they were actually doing something they enjoyed. And it's not to say you can always do something you enjoy because you have to put food on the table. You do. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, putting food on the table could be Monday to Friday, eight to four mm-hmm. and doing something you love could fill in those other gaps and then turn into something. Right. I agree. What are you waiting for? Like, yeah, <laughs> get out there and do something that you love. Yeah. Life's too short. But I think for us, it's easy to say, cause we have high risk taking behavior. We do. And I was going to say some people are by, by birth, low risk takers and they, you know, they, they find a way to make everything okay where they are. Yes. Yeah, and that's okay too. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Never, like I said, never outfly your ability. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, I'm going to ask you just a couple of really quick questions and you can fire off the answer. Um, what is your favorite book? Oh, gosh. Okay, this is going to sound super cheesy. <laughs> super, super cheesy. But normally uh, it's nonfiction because I read mostly nonfiction. But the one book that I read when I was very young that stayed with me was Gone with the Wind. I have it on my coffee table. Oh, really? I know. I mean, I could, there's a pile of 
books, business books that I've read that I've loved. But yeah. Gone with the Wind, it just took me, just took me away and I didn't want to put it down and I loved that book. No, you know what? I love Anne of Green Gables. I could read that once a year. And even yeah. though it's not, you know, I just read my it last age. year. <laughs> For the first I love, time, you did. Yeah. You've been missing out for the oh, first time. Story. Yeah. Like I and and if the movie is on at Christmas, I will always watch it. And I also really love Little Women. Oh, I love Little Women too. Yeah, but the, the business book, the startup playbook, the startup playbook, the startup playbook. Okay, that's do you know who that's my, by? Uh, I can't remember, but it's on my uh, my iPad right now, and I'm in the middle of it, and I'm really enjoying it. Um. So, on to the next question. In your day-to-day life, what is it that you feel you do that really gives you energy or makes you feel satisfied or you're happy when you're done it? Wine. Drink wine. <laughs> <laughs> Red or white? Uh, both. <laughs> is there, you know. Okay, so um, we talked about this earlier. The, the little ritual I have in the morning when I get up and I have my cup of coffee and I sit in my rocking chair and I have a commitment to myself not to do anything except for look out the window. And I'm, I don't touch my phone. I don't touch my computer. I don't do anything. I don't read a magazine. I just look out the window, rock in my rocking chair and drink my coffee. And you said you do that for 30 minutes. I do it for 30 minutes and I'm very strict about it. And it hard at first. It's like, Oh, I just really want to check my emails. And it's like, no, you will be sitting and looking out the window. And that's where I think I start my day by drawing energy from nature and clearing my head and just letting, I don't try, I try not to think about anything. I let yeah. thoughts come. And some of my best ideas, Janet, come in that space. Of course. Of course. And yeah. then I get so excited by them. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Why didn't I think of that yesterday? You know? <laughs> what are you waiting for? Let's execute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and it's almost like what you're doing is a form of meditation, to be honest. Yes. Right. You're right. I never yeah. thought about it. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just taking that time to But it's more fun. Because I have my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and the great view. And the view. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Leslie. Thank I've you. enjoyed your story, and uh, I'm sure we'll chat again. And I think I should interview your husband, Peter, at some point in time. Yes. Fascinating man. And thank you, Janet, for letting me be at the top of your list. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime. Fun. It was very Anytime. fun there at the top. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, I just want to finish up by saying I forgot to ask Leslie about where you can contact her if you wanted to reach out to her. Uh, she is a great resource. And so you can find her on Twitter at Waltonwood Farm. And you can also find her at waltonwoodfarm.com. Um, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you to everyone for listening. I would love to know what you think. I would love to hear your suggestions and your feedback. So feel free to send me a note, uh, jlewis at janetlewis.com. And I'd love to do more of these. It was fun, uh, but it just depends on if there's any interest. Thanks again.